You are Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Heat Nation. I'm David Ramilla, credential reporter and the host of Locked On Heat, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Please make sure to subscribe to the show if you haven't already, wherever you listen to podcasts to get the latest episodes. This episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the Locker Room app from the iOS App Store and find one of our Locked On Rooms. Locker Room is changing the way we talk about sports. It's a special crossover edition, but not your typical crossover. This is actually a going with a, a completely different market here. You know, the Indiana Pacers are matching up with the Miami Heat on Wednesday. Unfortunately, Victor Oladipo will not be available for that matchup against his former team. But I did want to talk to somebody who's familiar with Oladipo, of course, and his time in Indiana, as well as the upcoming game. And so I am speaking to Mark Schindler of Indy Cornrows. He hosts a podcast over there. And he also does some great work for a site he helped create called Premium Hoops. He wrote a fantastic piece about Oladipo and his potential fit in Miami and why Mark thinks he's going to be a great addition to this team. I'm a believer, to be honest with you. Having read that piece, I am going to be sharing it pretty extensively over the next day or so because I think it's a great read and also sheds a lot of information on why Oladipo might thrive here. So here is part one of our conversation. Part two is actually going to be airing over to Indy Cornrows for SB Nation, so make sure you check that out. I will include a link for that as well later on. But for now, here's part one with me and Mark Schindler. So this is a little unusual we're doing a crossover episode here or two episodes it's going to be split into two parts the first half obviously here on locked on heat for part two of the conversation jump over to mark's podcast and we'll be talking about wednesday's matchup between the miami heat and the indiana pacers not as much drama as we had expected going into it unfortunately victor oladipo recently acquired from the miami heat will not be available against the pacers so that can take some of the fun out of it i know you and i were both looking forward to that mark yeah, no, I was uh, I was definitely looking forward to seeing him play because I've always enjoyed watching Victor. But part of me is a little bit happy. Uh, obviously, you want him to play, and I, I know part of the reason he's out is because of his uh, his friend dying. So I, of course, hope everything's okay with him and he's able to be okay moving forward. But um, I have a, a very itching feeling that Pacers fans are going to boo him once he comes back to the field house, um, and I'm not really looking forward to that because it's just it's petty and I don't really like it and. I, a lot went into – I mean, you and I have talked about all the stuff that went into that. But overall, I just think booing, booing players is kind of a, not something I'm really a huge fan of. You know, it's it's funny. I don't know that Miami has any kind of animosity towards any players anymore. Like, I, I think the one player that would have garnered that most, you know, kind of uh, animosity from fans in particular was probably LeBron James in 2014 after he left the team. And I think there were some – there was a smattering of boos here – when he did return to Miami, but overall, I mean, considering his impact and the greatness overall of his talents and everything that he was able to bring to the heat, I, I think there was just a, a mutual level of respect and just kind of, you know, luckily for Miami heat fans, that team was able to move on pretty quickly. They were able to resign Chris Bosch and Dwayne Wade, all of this, which seems an eternity ago, but I, I don't think there's been any kind of real dislike or hatred for any one player since then even when Dwayne left in 2016 obviously he was still beloved by most Heat fans even though there was some tension there at one point between Justice Winslow and and uh, Dwayne Wade I recall that in a key and a matchup later on that season where Winslow kind of got into it with Dwayne and that was 
that was exciting to see because you know Dwayne had left the team, and so some there was some resentment there from Heat fans. We've all kind of glossed this over in the years since then, and you know once he's retired, and you know he's widely beloved. Of course, he's a South Florida sports icon, but when it comes to booing players, I, I don't know. Like I, I remember just making this argument years ago about LeBron and. And others just like, you know, players should have the right. Oh, it was about Kevin Durant. I remember being pretty vocal about Durant choosing to leave Golden, you know, to join to Golden State and and wondering why Oklahoma City fans had such hatred and vitriol towards him. And it just it never seemed to make much sense to me. Yeah, I agree. And I think the, the first time was ever present for me because, I mean, I grew up in Cleveland, so I'll never forget when LeBron came back the first time with Miami. And that game Did you was throw like, batteries at him? Oh, no, I was not there. Uh, I, I was not a Cavs fan growing up. I, uh, I just remember, like, the reactions happening. And that was wild. I remember watching the video um, on, like, SportsCenter the next day. And, um, that I mean, that stuff was crazy to me. Like, I had so many friends who – gosh, what was I? I would have been, like, in middle school at the time. And uh, I mean, I had friends who burned jerseys, uh, like just all this crazy stuff. I'm like, this is just not worth it. Middle it was... schoolers burning jerseys, like those are those are major investments, especially for a exactly, twelve year old. Man, I, I think about it now. I'm like, because I, I I mean, I don't buy like the replica jerseys. I buy the sure. hardwood classic ones because if I'm gonna buy one, I'm gonna buy one of the nice ones. Uh, I just like the the thought of burning one of the Mitchell Ness jerseys to me is like, oh my man, it makes me want to cry. Yeah, that that's. That's really bizarre stuff. I mean, look, that I know that that sweet spot of fandom, 12, 13, especially, you know, you're a kid, you're still a little younger, you know, even as you're younger than that, you can't really appreciate it. When you're 12, 13, you kind of understand the game a little better, but there's still that youthful exuberance and just love of your team. Uh, I can understand the passion, but burning a jersey seems a little far-fetched, but just that whole anger towards fan towards players and stuff like that it's just it's always been a little weird to me i, I guess i'm just a, a little unusual in that regard but when it comes to victor i'm glad to hear you kind of describe him so positively because i feel like the whole tenure there has been kind of a difficult one especially towards the end but i mean when he was great he was widely appreciated by pacers fans was he not oh my god yes um th i think that's what makes it so different because uh like like I mean, his first season in 17, 18, uh, he came in, obviously. Uh, I mean, that season, I don't know how much you remember about 14, 15, but like not, not 14, 15, gosh, I mean to say 17, 18. I mean, that year is projected for, for the Pacers are supposed to be a lottery team that year. Right. Um, and then Victor just has phenomenal year. I think it's like 20. Refresh 24. my memory. Was that viewed as like a, a steal for the Pacers or what? Oh, or no. They, the I mean, that deal was uh, was louder as being terrible. Um, yeah. That's a lot of people wanted them to go for the Gary Harris uh, trade that would have come over from the Nuggets. Cause I think it was going to send Kevin love to uh, yeah. Kevin love was going to go to Denver. Right. Um, right. Gary Harris was going to go to Indiana and Paul George was going to go to Cleveland. Um, and that was the deal that, that most analysts and people in general wanted to see happen. Cause Gary Harris is from Fishers uh, not too far from Indianapolis. Um, and luckily, I mean, well, it was just so different too, because the whole team was in flux. Like you had Thad Young and a couple of other guys who had been around uh, for the last couple of years that were still there. But then, I mean, Bojan Bogdanovic is coming over from, uh, I think he was coming over from Brooklyn at that point. And he, yeah. I mean, at, at, he, he became a solid defender in Indiana, but he had a much better year than I think anybody expected. Miles Turner grew and Domas was obviously huge. I mean, he, he went from being like a guy who was totally miscast in Oklahoma city to, um, to being like a well-used player off the bench, almost one six man of the year. But the most importantly, I mean, Victor was like a top 10 player that year. 
um, just fantastic. And he's never really been able to recapture those heights. Injuries suck. Um, I wrote a piece about it uh, a couple of days ago, uh, just kind of highlighting how some of that went and some of the fallout from there. But I also think he's going to be like, he's not going to be back to that level just because I think he's lost enough athletically that it's not going to happen. Um, but I do still think he has a lot more to give, especially as an offensive player, because um, the defense has not really lost a step at all. Um, but yeah, uh, to, to, to get to the point, I mean, he was he was loved by Pacers fans because that season wasn't supposed to be good. Right. And he came in and uh, totally threw all expectations aside. And that team was uh, was just a joy to watch, honestly. We'll continue talking about Victor Oladipo as well as previewing Wednesday's game against the Pacers here on the number one Miami Heat podcast for the latest news, rumors, and more. This episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Locker Room is the first social audio platform made for sports fans. The app is free to download. Once you're in, you can talk with fans, athletes, insiders in real time about your favorite team or sport. Locker Room is a perfect place to start or join conversations about the NBA or college basketball, and you'll find fans just like you in Locker Room for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and, of course, reacting to big news or rumors. So go download the free Locker Room app now. It's currently available on all iOS devices. Be sure to create a profile. You can link your Twitter and join the NBA group for the latest league updates. I know you'll find a ton of incredible rooms around for your favorite teams and leagues, so download the Locker Room app today. Locker Room is changing the way we talk about sports. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with a Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast wherever you get podcasts. So here is part two of my conversation with Mark Schindler of Indy Cornrows talking about Victor Oladipo and starting to preview Wednesday's game between the Indiana Pacers and Miami Heat. So let's get into that piece because that's a, a big reason why we're talking now. Context and circumstance key for Victor Oladipo in Miami over at Premium Hoops, a site that you co-founded and contribute to pretty heavily. Uh, a great piece, first of all. I tweeted it out Thank yesterday, you. but I will do so from the Locked On Heat account as well because I, I think it just it does provide a really, really good, well-rounded understanding of what Depot brings to the table and what he could potentially bring in Miami. And I think having read it, I remember at the time thinking, oh, man, I'll, I'm – really psyched up to see what he can bring to the table like i have questions i have doubts mm -hmm. because his time in houston was you know kind of inconsistent and up and down partly due to injury partly due to trying to figure his way out and after reading your piece i'm thinking to myself oh wow this is this is the missing piece to help miami take it to another level but uh why don't you kind of go into it a little bit for my listeners and, and explain what we were what was your thinking about analyzing what victor could bring to the table for the heat yeah, I mean, it's it was kind of sparked by we talked about this two or three weeks ago um, when the, when we we did a crossover pod for the uh, yep. the series that that happened, and you know we talked about Victor and the idea of him coming into Miami on, on maybe you know a, a, a buy low trade, and I'm really thrilled that that it worked out for the Heat. I also just can't believe that that was the price for Victor. I remember I was doing a live a, a live pod um, as the trade deadline was happening. I kept waiting. I was like. When is this going to happen? Um, and finally, I mean, it happened ju just after the deadline. I mean, it was announced that things were, were moving towards it, but it was one of the last things announced. Um, and just looking at everything, I, I really think it's just the perfect context for Victor. And I always talk about that. Like, context is so important. Like, I don't like saying 
a player is washed or, you know, this and that. And I get it could be fun or cutesy to say that. But, um, like, I just think Houston was not a good environment for Victor um, right. as a player. And I think right. a lot of that is because he's been a guy who's been heavily reliant on his athleticism. And not that that's a bad thing, but just the way that he's been sapped of mostly his first step is what I've noticed has kind of gone. Um, not that it's like fully gone, but his acceleration isn't there yet or, or at all. Um, right. Like he can still get to a good downhill pace, but he needs an initial burst to get there. Um, and in Houston, the screening was, was just compared to Indiana, like night and day, like the Sabonis is one of the best screeners in the NBA. His two man game before Victor was hurt uh, was, was huge for opening up the runways. Like, I mean, they would set screens from almost the logo to get Victor runways to the rim. Right. That kind of stuff is huge for him. Like in, in Houston, I mean, they're doing a lot of guard on guard screens. I mean, guard for guard screens, like uh, wings are screening. Like it's just not the same kind of space creation. And uh, Christian Wood is not a good screen setter. He slips like everything. Um, and I mean, warranted, he's a fantastic roller. Uh, but point being like Victor just did not get the kind of separation on the perimeter that I, I think people were really accustomed to seeing from him and Indiana, no, nor, nor oh, what yeah. Bam at a bio is likely to provide. Exactly. So that's what it comes down to for me. Like, I think a lot of that got lost in the sauce, like um, Bam and Domas are, are very different players in, in how they play, but they, sure. they do a lot of things similarly. And I think what Victor can get from a two man game with Bam uh, where he's not asked to be a primary because I think, you know, him working off of Bam and Jimmy is what's so tantalizing me because Miami is a place that's not going to ask Victor to be a primary option. Right. And I think that's really important because that's not who he is. Yeah. And I've made that case too. Like I, I just, you know, his tenure in Orlando was so weird. Obviously then he has to shift completely in Oklahoma city to playing alongside Westbrook. And then he joins Miami where he, I'm sorry, Indiana, where he becomes, you know, the key to every, their, their success really. And then, you know, obviously injuries happen, that role changes for him, but now he's back to being, uh, you know, basically a tertiary option, I think, for mm -hmm. Miami. And I'm wondering if you have any insight as to how do you think he'll be able to make that adjustment? Because I know a lot of people have been concerned that Oladipo might not want to take a step back, that, that being seen as the key player on the team as he was with the Pacers, especially early on might be all of a sudden now viewed as a, a you know demotion to, to playing alongside Jimmy and Bam. Do you think he'll accept that role? I tend to think that he will, but I'm curious what your thoughts are. Yeah, um, I think that's what really fills into the context for me because I think, like you mentioned, that's important. Um, like if I, I think if John Wall was John Wall from three or four years ago, maybe things would have worked a little bit differently in Houston. John Wall has been just rough, rough watch this year. Um, but like I think with Jimmy in place already, and Bam there and, and the way that I, I hate seeing saying heat culture because it's like the most it, during the finals run, as much as I enjoyed watching the heat team, seeing heat culture thrown around every third tweet on my timeline was was awfully annoying. Um, but you're not cut out for it, buddy. I'm sorry. He <laughs> hey, that's heat culture ain't for everybody. Fine that's for me. I, I don't like sweating through my shirt every single day of the year, so I don't need to be down in Miami. Um, but <laughs> I think that's an important aspect of it. Like Jimmy is in, an awesome awesome leader for what they're doing in Miami. And um, I, I don't think Pat Riley brings in Victor if he thinks he's not going to adapt to a role. Like I I'm sure, I mean, it's easy for me to say without sitting in on conversations, but I'm sure that they talk to him about, Hey, if you're going to come here, you're going to be playing a much different role. Um, because given where Miami's at right now, they're not trying to mess around and just make the playoffs. I mean, they want to get to another finals. Um, they're trying to maximize Jimmy's window. Like we talked about, um, and I think 
just looking at victory, a lot of it is like, I think there's a tendency for people to think that he doesn't get to the rim anymore. He has a lot of opera. Like he, he has one of the highest drive rates in the league right now. It's actually higher than his 17, 18 season, which is kind of crazy to think about. Um, the problem has just been a lot of pull-ups, like a lot of pull-up twos. And he used to be par- fairly good at them, not like elite, but like good enough that warranted taking them. Uh, and he's been dreadful on pull-ups from three and from two this year. And I think that's where I see the most for him because he really does collapse a defense still. Um, but instead of taking those pull-ups, I think he has a lot of opportunities where with Miami and, and how the spacing is going to be, I, I think he could kick out to the corners a lot more. He's capable of making those reads and, He's actually a much better passer than I think people realize. And part of it's because of how much he creates with his, his uh, athleticism, but like right. he, he's really improved on his reads and everything. And I, I think just uh, considering that instead of passing out to like, not to shame like Jay Sean Tate or anybody, Jay Sean Tate's shooting like 31% from three this year. Like um, I, I just think that there are, there's a lot more gravity around him to play with that, that will warrant getting the ball kicked out. One more thing before I launch into what you were mentioning about the pull-ups. You know, I think one of the things that we've certainly seen on display with Jimmy Butler in Miami and, you know, having seen what happened in Philadelphia and Minnesota and Chicago to some degree is that him wanting to be here and dictate the terms of how this team is run and to be such a key part of everything has been such a huge factor in this kind of blossoming as a person and player, because now I think there's much more of a league wide appreciation, especially among fans and even to some degree media as well about what Jimmy can be and the kind of person that he is. He's just, he's more, as he was being perceived as being a jerk before now it's just, well, he's, he's aggressive because he wants to win. And as long as everybody's, you know, kind of toeing the line and following his lead, they're going to go to a successful place as far as a franchise is concerned. And I think, now that we've seen what it's like for a player who wants to be here to thrive, the fact that Victor, you know, for years has wanted to be here and that now he has that opportunity, I would expect that there will be a certain jump in his level of play just because like even I know it's silly, but even his Twitter profile, like he's been tweeting more lately after the move to Miami, kind of like he feels free to just be able to communicate to yeah. a wider audience. Now, this is the place that he's wanted to be for a long time. And uh, it's, it's just going to be, I don't know. I, I'm not sure if it's exciting just yet, but I, I, I have uh, high hopes for his fit here because I, I do think that he wants to be here. And that's a huge part of his just general mental wellness and everything else now that he's in a place where he wants to be. But as far as the pull-ups are concerned, I was curious, do you think it's just because of diminishing overall athleticism or lingering injury issue? Or is there something in his mechanics that he's changed over the years in Indiana that maybe you've noticed? I'll be completely honest. I'm not really like a shot doctor or anything. Like I can follow the statistical trends and everything. I can notice if I watch for like, you know, 20 minutes or something. Okay. The guy's got a hitch in his shot and it just doesn't look right. right. Um, with him. I, I don't think see maybe, that with him. Yeah. I don't see yeah, that. I, I, I haven't felt that at all. in watching him. I felt it's just a lot of regression and more so too. Like, I mean, I'll have to send you a screenshot I have later. Like uh, I think they were playing, gosh, uh, I can't remember who they were playing with Houston, but they collapsed like four guys into the paint on him. Um, and that's happening routinely because they just as as much as we think about Houston for their spacing, like the spacing has been awful this year. Yeah. Um, and part of that's losing some of the guys that they had. And a lot of that's just I mean, as good as Victor is, he's not James Harden. Um, and I, I think that's an important way of looking at it. they're just running things differently too. Uh, not like it's on Steven Silas or anything. That is just a mess of a year to have this year. But um, I think like it'll probably come back up positively but i also met the point too where like if you're going to like with with the role he's going to be in i i don't really see him 
or at least I would hope he's not taking a ton of the pull-up twos. I mean, there seems to be like this weird kind of cultural ingrained aspect that <laughs> Heat fans uh, seem to be taking some miserable joy in watching. Just that as soon as a player joins the Heat, all of a sudden, if the shot is available to them, they find a way to pass up the easy shot. I I'm not sure if you spent any time on Heat Twitter. Probably not. But it's just it's always frustrating to watch Jimmy Butler get within five feet of the rim and then notice a wide open Andre Iguodala from the corner and decide that kicking it out to him for a you know a thirty percent shooter from three is the better option. And I wonder if Oladipo is going to somehow find a way to kind of immerse himself into that cultural aspect because uh, it seems like he's probably not going to be taking as many shots as he once did in Houston or even in Indiana. But at least he'll have Duncan Robinson. Tyler Hero, you know, others out there that can stretch the floor. I, I mean, I see him as a starter. I don't think there's any question about that, mm -hmm. but uh, I don't know who he's going to be playing alongside that backcourt. There have been discussions about whether or not Kendrick Nunn should start or Duncan Robinson should start. To me, it just makes much more sense for Duncan to play alongside Depot, along with Trevor Ariza, potentially, or maybe Nemanja Bjelica at the four spot. Jimmy, of course, and Bam. So that's a, an interesting lineup. Not as much floor spacing as I'd like. Probably would have been better to keep Kelly Olenek there because of his floor spacing ability. That would have been a, a nice two-man punch between Oladipo and Olenek. But unfortunately, we'll, we won't get to see that happen. Stay tuned. We'll wrap it up with our preview of the Pacers Heat game here in the next segment on Locked on Heat. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football's over. But the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are all in full swing. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, reality TV, real-time updated odds, and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts, and don't forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON. And when you're done with that, make sure to go to BuiltBar.com. It's the best tasting protein bar in the market. We've been telling you about it for a while. Amazing, low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, great taste, and 100% chocolate on all of our bars. Now's the time to find out which Built Bar is the best. It's Built Bar Madness. We're almost down to the final four, except for today's matchup, and it's a tough one. Caramel brownie versus coconut brownie chunk. I'm leading towards the caramel brownie. If you've been listening to me talk about Bilt Bar before, I'm not always a fan of the coconut flavoring. This is possibly the best version of the combination of coconut and a candy bar that you could possibly eat. It's not even a candy bar, really. It's a protein bar that just tastes so good. It tastes like a candy bar. But caramel brownie is the way to go for me. But go decide for yourself. Go to BiltBar.com or at bar underscore built on Twitter. And remember to use a promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order. That's LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order at BiltBar.com. And check back to see who won today's matchup and who will become the best tasting protein bar. analysis on the top prospects available in this year's NBA draft with a locked on NBA draft podcast scouting reports draft rumors mock drafts and full coverage of March Madness four days a week from credential draft experts subscribe today and follow locked on NBA draft so wrapping up our conversation here previewing Wednesday's game between the Heat and Pacers. Make sure to check out part two of the podcast over at Indy Cornrows. Any, any other light lingering thoughts about Oladipo and what you expect from him in Miami? I think what I'm most excited about is the defense. Um, I think 
you know, it, it's, it's just interesting because I, I mean, I mean, I, I'm sure you feel the same way. Like the way that we talk about defense in a general term is just like not very nuanced. Like I think when people think of defense, they think of like Tony Allen and Tony Allen was great. Don't get me wrong. He's great in so many facets of, of the game and, and what he did defensively. But like most people just think of the grit and grind Grizzlies and him sure. locking guys down one-on-one. Um, and Victor's capable of that. He's not like the best one-on-one defender ever because he's kind of slight. Like I mean, he's like 6'4", like 215, which sounds like big. But like just in terms of actual like frame and everything, he's not like Jimmy. Like Jimmy is legitimately probably a top five guy in the league at times, number one, depending on, on the matchup, like at locking someone down at the point of attack. Right. What's awesome about Vic is he's probably one of the best uh, off-ball roamers in the NBA. Uh, he's fantastic at rotating over from yes. the from the weak side, which is like not something you talk about often with a guard. Like he's not going to be a shot block or anything, but in terms of like Dwayne Wade was awesome at rotating weak side. And just, yeah. I mean, I think we, we think so much about Dwayne and what he was as a finisher, but like I used to enjoy watching Dwayne Wade play defense when he was in his prime still with Miami. Um, and Victor brings a lot of that in terms of just his athleticism and ability, like players shoot worse around the rim with him on the uh, contesting a shot than like league average, which that's not, typical for six nine wingspan i I made this point in a recent podcast Dwayne, like the reason why he's the leading shot blocker of players six four and under was because he had a six ten and a half wingspan so uh, in combination with his incredible leaping ability was this huge reach that he had where he could impact your shot oladipo not quite the same but similar in that vein like like if he doesn't still have that burst as you described before but with that length he's certainly going to alter your shot or force you into a much tougher shot than you'd like yeah, and he's fantastic at just blowing plays up entirely. Um, yep. He's great at noticing what's happening uh, a split second before it happens, and then he just gets a, a step on his man and t- takes a play down the court. Um, he's, fan- yeah. he's He's been fantastic at doing that for a while, and that's how I knew he was kind of back uh, last year at some point, or, or not last year. It was more like beginning of this year. He blew up, uh, I think, in Sacramento. He had like six steals in a game. And part of it was just Sacramento was losing the ball a ton, but um, he, he blew up a dribble handoff. That was like, th- th- that's been like a big thing for him. Blowing up a pistol action or, or a dribble handoff is like his bread and butter defensively. So I just think with how good Miami has been defensively over the last month and just since Jimmy's been back in general, which also it, he's not going to win it, but we need to talk more about Jimmy Butler for defensive player of the year. He would be in my Thank top you. five right now. Um, okay. Just for what he does for Miami. Um but I think Miami has a chance to be probably the best defense in the league to close out the year with victory in there. I, I, I mean, with how well they've played with Duncan Robinson and Kendrick Nunn playing at the same time at times, like if you're adding Vic to that and you just have to hide Duncan, like it's, it's going to be fantastic. And I was watching some of, uh, some of last night's game against the Knicks and Trevor Reza has looked really good. I've really enjoyed what he's brought so far. <laughs> I, I got some criticism for that. Cause I made that same point too. I said, you know, his shots not falling, but he, he looks like he's aware defensively. He fits right in. And of course, after 17 years in the league, he has a, you know, a pretty good understanding of where he should be and, and how to fit spacing wise and everything else like that. And I, I got a lot of people criticizing me for that comment. I don't understand it. I mean, that's one guy accused me of ball watching. Like, <laughs> 
maybe i don't know but to me i just i I don't know he He just just makes the right rotation and he's big and that counts for something because casey apollo as much as i allowed casey apollo he doesn't make the right rotations every time that's why they went out and got trevor reza um like andre godala is still a quality player but he's what like 38 39 and he, he doesn't have the same size like he's kind of the four that's been missing since jay crowder was gone um and he's not the same level of player because I think Jay brought more as an offensive player. But, uh, I mean, he definitely did considering he shot the lights out. It was freaking Ray Allen again, uh, as the Pacers can attest. But, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think the defense is just going to be lights out, and I can't wait to watch them play. Well, I agree with you there. Uh, before we wrap up this segment of the two-part crossover, I, I just wanted to get your overall thoughts on the Pacers because obviously they've won four of six, including two straight games against Miami. I know you and I talked about it before the series started. You know, Miami had been going on a pretty good string there. That was before the trade deadline, which seems like an eternity ago because I know the Heat fans were heavily invested in what happens yes. during the trade deadline. But as far as the, the two games we saw, uh, pretty disappointing because Miami just didn't seem to have any answers for what Indiana could do. How do you expect that both teams, well, obviously they'll be without Oladipo, so still a, not a complete version of this Heat roster. It's something that's been the case all season long. But what's been the key for the recent quote-unquote resurgence for the Pacers? Because they just seem like they've been playing a little bit better. I know they had some tough losses to the Wizards, which... You know, they they put up a, a hell of a performance from Russell Westbrook, one for the ages there. And, you know, they lost to the Bucks as well. So uh, not, not a, you know, not a, a, a particularly egregious loss considering how good Milwaukee's been this year. But uh, anything that you're noticing from the Pacers of late? Yeah, um, the defense was abysmal last night against the Wizards. Uh, so they lost to a Wizards team without Bradley Beal. Um, and that was, it was hard to watch. Um, they'd played seven games in 11 days leading up to their first weekend off in a month. Um, And it showed in in the wrong way. You know, you expect them to maybe come out energized and ready to play, but also just from my experience as an athlete, like if you have that extra time off, you're not used to it. So, I mean, sometimes it's better if your body's in a constant state of being kind of like um, just ready to go. So I guess that that played a part in it, but mainly their defense was just terrible. Um, The defense has been a lot – I don't want to say a lot better, but it's made more sense recently. They've cut down on some of the junk stuff and have just been running more man up. They're doing a lot more switching. That makes sense. Um, Not switching everything, but like, just like if, if, uh, if there's like a four or five action that, that tries to cause a mismatch with, with Sabonis and Turner, they'll switch that. And it's looked a lot better. Um, But the biggest thing is just Karis Levert's gravity has made a huge impact on the team. Um, And they look a lot better having, him out there instead of, you know, forcing Doug McDermott into the starting lineup and Doug McDermott's good, but like, he's not somebody who's going to pressure the rim on his own, like Karis can. And Karis hasn't played super well yet. Um, Kind of waiting for the shot to fall. He's shooting. Like, I think he's like 45% true shooting, which is believe it or not pretty terrible. Um, But he just, he provides a little bit more length on defense um, and he gives you more ball handling on offense. He's just somebody that the other team has to guard. Um, So I think that's been the biggest thing. I still think that, uh, I would put my money on Miami winning this game. Uh, I'm sure Jimmy Butler has this one circled. Uh, and I'm sure Bam does too, because Bam hates Miles Turner with a passion. And Miles was fantastic in that two-game series. Um, 
he had five blocks in one game, didn't he? Yeah, he sent I my actually my my favorite thing that I came up with. Uh, he sent Tyler Hero down from his rookie skill to a vet min after that after the two block sequence. Um, that was fantastic. Tyler Hero is not going to drive on the rim like that again. Actually, he probably will. He's pretty confident. Yes, he too. probably will. Unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thing, I, I thought about that for a second. I was like, I've watched Tyler Hero play basketball enough to know that he's going to drive at the rim anyways. Uh, which is part of what makes him good. But, yeah, I, I think uh, it's going to be a very tough game for the Pacers. But they need to find a way to pull the win out because they're two games back on Miami right now. Um, or, no, that, nah, I'm just kidding. Uh, Miami's played 47 games. Pacers have played 45. So, they're tech. I mean, they're two wins behind, but not two games back, but close enough. Yeah, it should be a, an interesting matchup. We'll probably talk about it a little bit more in our next crossover episode. So, make sure you hop on over to Indy Cornrows and check out two, part two of this two-part crossover with Mark Schindler of Indy Cornrows. There you have it. Thanks so much for listening as always. Again, make sure to go check out part two of our conversation over at Indy Cornrows and follow Mark. Does great work covering the league at large. And uh, I again, make sure you read his piece on Victor Oladipo. You too will be a believer in what Victor will bring to the Miami Heat roster. And just a reminder, you can always reach me via email at lockedonheat at gmail.com or via Twitter using the hashtag AskHelloHeat. Be sure to please subscribe to the show and leave a review. I'm David Ramil, signing off and thanking you as always for your support. you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.